Slick V on the track. God is calling me. I'm in a zone. I gotta see my doctor. Scott is calling me. Scott is calling me. What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Karn, joined as always by my co-host, Daniel Hammett. Daniel, some big news dropping today. There was rumors of it at the beginning of the week. We're recording this on Wednesday night. So the Big Ten returns to play for a fall season. It's a shortened fall season. So what the Big Ten announced is an eight-game conference-only schedule followed by a championship game. So the Big Ten champion will play nine games in total. But with an October 23rd start date, October 23rd, 24th, it's the Friday, Saturday, uh, that's eight weeks without a bye, followed by a championship game December 19th, same day as the ACC, the Big 12. Did I say the SEC or ACC first? I'm sorry. Anyway, the ACC is either the 12th or the 19th. It's the same day as all the other championship games. The day before, the College Football Playoff Committee – selects their top four so strategic there we know that they're going to do daily testing we know they have protocols for players and for teams that are pretty intense I mean what are your thoughts on the Big Ten's return to play well I'm just glad that they put player safety at the forefront and they are by far and away more caring than every other conference clearly uh clearly yeah it's just the to start out by saying that that's their stance, obviously not really giving a lot of details, not much has changed except the optics since all this began. Um, Instead of just putting it off like the SEC, ACC and big 12 did and saying, let's make a decision later, uh, especially the SEC with the fact that the SEC still hasn't started yet. And this could have been avoided you know, the, the SEC and Big Ten could have been basically starting the same week had the Big Ten just, you know, checked itself rather than kind of uh, being politically charged, being, um, you know, there, there's, there's, other, there's other interests in the pot here. But, um, yeah, from a player safety standpoint, obviously the, the first part that I said was in jest because set eight games in eight weeks – uh, potentially, or actually nine games in nine weeks uh, when you're including the championship games or the championship game in that Plus, week. is, is yeah. And, yeah, and that's what's interesting for this is, you know, one of the first times we've seen this because they're trying to get a guaranteed ninth game in for every team, one and one is going to play each other for the championship, but two and two is going to play each other, three and three, and so on, all the way down to seven versus seven. So you're going to have a – a battle for the bottom of the Big Ten, which, you know, sounds oddly intriguing. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy for the players. Let me start there. I'm happy with the player for the players, the coaches, because they had nothing to do with this. Um, it's not their fault. I'm excited that we're going to have more of a college football season. There will be more games to pick, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, from from the political side of this, which is just the annoying side, it just seems like this was done largely for optics and I'm not going to let the big 10 off the hook. And I think you and I are on the same page where we're, we're not going to expand a whole lot of uh, on time on these guys until we, uh, we, we see for sure that they're going to, they're going to go ahead and play. They've been wishy-washy to this point. 
you and I have picked the Big Ten <laughs> picks twice already. We're not doing it again because right. who knows if they'll take, they'll take the field. But Here, let me tell you the short up. story. We like Ohio State. There you go. That's it. That's the Big Ten for you. <laughs> They're probably going to go undefeated. Yeah. Probably. Uh, I, I mentioned that Ohio State would have been my national championship pick. We'll see. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that, like you said, nine games in nine weeks is – tough in and of itself on the players like you know without a break in the middle of it and I don't mean to be a pessimist but I think it is almost impossible that given what we've already seen in college football that they pull off an eight an eight game schedule plus a ninth game for the championship without stopping play like I don't think they get nine games in I think what's more realistic is getting six or seven games in so then the question is and you, you, this can be hypothetical, but who do you let in if you have a 9-2 Alabama SEC runner-up, let's just say, versus a 6-7-0 or seven and Ohio State? Or even worse, what if, they're six, what if it's 6-1 and one at that point and you have one spot left? Who gets in? Yeah. And then I think this year you're going to have a lot more of that eye test or some committee members who may just punish the Big Ten and say, like, hey, there's not enough data points. We have – 11 data points on Alabama, they're in. Um, and then who does this really hurt, though? I think about last week. I talked about it on our recap that week two could have a significant impact on the college football playoff race, not for the teams that played, but for the teams that lost or for the teams that maybe won. So the Big 12 goes 0-3 against the Sun Belt. Now the Big 10's coming back in trying to get into the college football playoff. Now you're going to have a conversation of like, okay, maybe this six and zero Ohio State team and a nine and one Oklahoma, you know, Big Twelve champ. Who are we going to let in? Maybe it's Ohio State at that point because you can argue that, hey, you know, you had these out of conference games. Your conference did. Big Twelve's not looking too hot. So there's a lot of interesting optics. We could spend a while talking a lot about a lot of hypotheticals, but one hypothetical is: is the Big Ten going to play this season? I'll believe it when I see it. So we're right. not going to spend a lot of time on it. There's teams who have already prepped and have already taken the field, and we're going to spend time talking about those teams. And we have some intriguing matchups this week. So, I mean, let's talk some picks, man. It's week three. We have a fun belt matchup because this is an official fun belt podcast. It is. And it's also a pit podcast. So we definitely have a pit game on here. Put but them on there. let's – we got to put them on there. Let's transition to our picks. Here comes the – and for our picks, just like last week, we do have a guest picker this week. Daniel, why don't you introduce our guest picker? So I guess I'm the one with all the friends because so far we're two for two with my friends joining the show. Um, but yes, this is a friend for, you know, past several years. He's from the south side of Atlanta where I'm originally from. Uh, my buddy Kyle Denton, he is a Georgia Tech fan. He's Georgia Tech season ticket holder. Um, really excited to have him on, especially after the week that Georgia Tech had last week. Biggest win, well, one of the biggest wins of the of the weekend and, you know, one of the title games of this weekend because of obviously not that big of a slate. So excited to have him on. Welcome, Kyle. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Glad to do it. Um, looking forward to college football. Kind of bring back some normalcy to the 2020 year. It just feels right now, college football in the fall. But glad to be on here. Thanks for joining us, man. Well, let's let's talk about our games this week. Before I get to our games, 
that are on our slate this week. Daniel, is there any games that you wish were on the slate that you want to mention that's a good matchup this week? Well, I don't know about a good matchup, but something I'm interested to watch nonetheless is Notre Dame versus UCF or USF. Um, you know, Jeff Scott in his role as USF head coach, what does this look like? You know, Jeff Scott, obviously former co-OC of Clemson, um, interested to see how this goes. But my biggest question is, well, Notre Dame cover such a big spread. Are they going to be that kind of a team this year? Are they going to play down to their competition this year? You know, I'm not sure what the, you know, um, what this team's going to he'll hold. This is a 26 point spread. Um, and this is actually a team that Notre Dame has never beaten. Obviously it's a somewhat newer program, but the only time they've met in 2011, uh, USF beat them. So Notre Dame trying to get that first W against USF. I think they do, but I don't know if they cover. So that'll be a fun one to watch. Man, I'm looking at UNC Charlotte. Like, Charlotte just might go bite somebody. Like, last year, you know, UNC went 6-6. Six and six, So, same thing with Notre Dame. Do they play down to Charlotte? You know, this is this game means everything to Charlotte. It means nothing north, to North Carolina. So, could be a could be an interesting matchup there. Um, well, you know, let's get into our slate we do have. So, we have Oklahoma State and Tulsa, Georgia State and Louisiana. This is a fun belt podcast. Uh, Pitt and Syracuse. Baylor and Houston, Marshall and App State, Georgia Tech and UCF, and then matchup of the week, Louisville, Miami. And I mean, let's just let's just get right into it. Oklahoma State hosting Tulsa. They're 22 and a half point favorites. Rivalry game out in Oklahoma. Daniel, who are you taking? Yeah, so you know, this is one of these where <clears throat> I don't think there's any doubt who's going to win this game, but is Oklahoma State going to show up and impose their will on Tulsa? You know, um, Tulsa does have, you know, nine returning offensive starters, four out of five on that offensive line, which, you know, we've talked about. is going to be a recurring theme early in the season um, with, you know, the limited practice, the weirdness of the schedule. You know, are they going to be comfortable in those games? And the number one sign of comfortability is that offensive line the cohesion um but you know <clears throat> Oklahoma State this might be the best Oklahoma State team that Mike Gundy has had <clears throat> um you know Chuba Hubbard coming back is one of these that we were just he he was all but in the NFL and um he's back for you know he has 2,000 yards last year he's back as a leader um obviously they had the off the field stuff with the uh the you know shirt gate whatever you want to call it um, it was one of those things where, you know, we're not sure if it's going to be a divider or a unifier. Um, I'm feeling like it's going to be more of a unifier for them. Uh, I expect Oklahoma State to win this game big. I think Spencer Sanders needs to get started early um, and needs to show out in a game like this. Um, he needs to kind of assert himself as one of the leaders of this offense and not just kind of be along for the ride with Chuba Hubbard. Um, you know, the defense, I think, for Oklahoma State is very underrated. One of the best in the Big 12. Um, you know, the, the Big 12 has some making up to do after last week and save some face. A cover by Oklahoma State against Tulsa would go a long way to help them. So I'm taking the Cowboys to cover or to lay those points, the 22 and a half. I expect the Cowboys to cover. So, Kyle. Wow. 
You know, Oklahoma State's been close for a number of years. You know, they, going back to 2011 when they had a good argument to be in the national championship game against LSU that year. Um, you know, just they've been close for a number of years. When are they ever going to take the next step to get over the hurdle, to maybe get into the playoff? But coming off uh, just a bad weekend for the Big 12 uh, last last week, I think Oklahoma State will cover the spread and uh, just be in full control. Oh, we're going all aboard the Oklahoma State train because I'm taking Oklahoma State too. Yeah, th- this line is moving moving up. Like even throughout the week, I think it might even be up to 23 and a half right now. But I mean, that's because a lot of the public money's on Oklahoma State, and rightfully so. They won this game last year in Tulsa by 19. And so, do I think this Oklahoma State team is four points better? Yeah, I do. You know, they they've got the big three with Spencer Sanders. Chuba Hubbard, Tywin Wallace, they return 11 starters on defense. I mean, there's a reason Mike Gundy has been a loud voice of wanting to play this offseason. That's because he knows he's got a dang good team. And so Oklahoma State's one of these teams that wants to play. They're ranked ninth in the country in returning production. Last year's Tulsa's defense gave up 31 points a game. This is their first game back. It's going to be a rough first game back. So Oklahoma State lay the points 22 and a half. Man, last week and this week, first pick. Right out of the gate. Right, you know, all aboard the train. So, <laughs> let's see how our next one is. I have a feeling this next one we're going to have some disagreement on. So, Georgia State is hosting Louisiana off of their big win against Iowa State. Georgia State are 17-point underdogs at home. Daniel, you went to Georgia State for a little bit. You taking your, uh, you taking your Panthers? Yeah, I don't necessarily call them my Panthers. I was there for a year, um, but, you know, had some good times while I was there. Uh, interesting, I mean, there's two top 20 teams playing this weekend in Atlanta about a mile apart from – or two miles apart from each other. Uh, this one, obviously, Louisiana playing at Georgia State. Um, Louisiana, such a good, you know, showing last week for them – um, in somewhat of a dominating fashion, uh, at least optically against Iowa State. Um, you know, this is something where you're, you're going to kind of see a theme with teams who have already played a game versus teams who have not played a game yet. Um, there's a lot that you can clean up after one game. So I do expect Louisiana to kind of come out and have, you know, um, a little bit of polish to them to start with. Uh, Georgia State's going to have a little bit where they're going to have to to manifest it uh, kind of on the run here. Um, the running back to, duo for Louisiana, Regis and Mitchell, uh, you know, Preston knew a little bit about him last week because he's seen him in the in the fun belt, um, him as a, a Georgia Southern guy. So he's he's seen them before. We got a little bit of taste of them. They both had about 50 yards apiece. But the story of last week for them was two return touchdowns, uh, kick return and a punt return. Um, you know, two different guys. So that's something to keep an eye on. Now, Georgia State, uh, their quarterback, first of all, love his name, Quad Brown. Um, it's a nickname because he's the fourth. He's So he's his name's Quad Brown. That's what he goes by. He played in four games last year and then redshirted the rest of the year last year. Um, he has won the starting job. Uh, another quarterback for Georgia State that was actually in the news 
for COVID, um, Mikhail Colarsudo, uh, not sure if I said that right, uh, shout out someone, you know, maybe follow us on Twitter and say something about it. Um, he was actually highly recruited and he was deemed unfit to play this year um, because they suspected that he had myocarditis, which obviously, you know, we had the Big Ten news earlier, them coming back. That was one of the, you know, leaked things that was apparently, you know, this change and there was myocarditis that's attached to COVID and all of a sudden players can't play with it. And so part of, you know, what, what the protocols had been is if someone has myocarditis or, you know, they do their EKG examination and it seems like they have it, they're ineligible for the year or they are unfit and can't play this year. Well, it's actually something interesting. He's been cleared medically because they came back and found out that it was not myocarditis that he had and he's actually fine. He has nothing to do. He did have COVID over the summer, but he's healed and he's fine. So he will be in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't see two quarterbacks play in this game for Georgia State. I know this has been a long-winded answer. I promise I'm going to get to my pick soon. And I'm taking <laughs> the Panthers plus 17. Um, I think that Louisiana will kind of ride high on what they did last week. I think they'll win the game. I think Louisiana will win this game. But I think it'll be close. Um, and so that's why I'm going to take the Panthers. Well. You know, last week, the going up to Iowa State and uh, winning that game, even though two touchdowns was on special teams, you know, they were losing an O-line coach. Big uh, emotional victory for them, losing an O-line coach, like I said, in the offseason. Georgia State opener, you know, they had the 119th rushing defense last year in the country, just not really good against the run. And Louisiana's got a good rushing offense. So I'm going to take the Cajuns to cover the spread. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yeah, I'm also taking Louisiana. So we got a fight against Daniel. Uh, last week, Louisiana won by 17 against Iowa State. Quite simply put, Iowa State is a lot better of a team than Georgia State is. Now, I do worry about a garbage time cover in this game. But for the first game of the season, a lot of these teams – Several teams have had very slow starts. I look at Notre Dame last week. Um, they have a slow start. Honestly, both Iowa State and Louisiana came out of the gate slow last week in their game. Um, if Georgia State comes out slow, I think this one's covered pretty early. And then, you know, even Georgia State keeps it a game after that. I think it's not within 17. So, um, yeah, pretty simple. Iowa State is a lot better than Georgia State. They beat them by 17, so I'll lay the 17 points. This does worry me as in, you know, I, I look at a lot of these spreads as could this be an overreaction to week two? So this is one of the spreads that worries me as a, I think this probably would have been a seven to 10 point spread a week ago before they beat Iowa State as bad as they did. So that does scare me, but I do think Louisiana is the best team in the Sun Belt. And so it was nice for me last week. No, it wasn't nice for me. <laughs> I forgot I picked Iowa State. Yeah, it was nice for <laughs> me last week. <laughs> they, yeah, so. they burned me last week. So I will take Louisiana. I'm not going to pick against them again. Um, and, I mean, another team that we love is the Pittsburgh Panthers. I mean, this is a pit podcast. And they're hosting Syracuse. They're 22-point favorites. Daniel. All right. So I promise I'm going to make this too difficult. Is a team we love versus a team we hate, right? 
Okay, we hate <laughs> right. Syracuse. Nothing personal. They suck. Okay, they just – they're not good. Um, we – number one rule, um, all of our listeners know, number one rule, fade Syracuse. So fade Syracuse. that's what we're going to do, fade Syracuse. Number two is Pitt. <clears throat> this is almost the least Pitt team that there's ever been. I mean, they came out and blew the doors off Austin P. Yes, Austin P's FCS. I'm not new to this. I know. They beat him 55 nothing. Returning quarterback, Kenny Pickett, awesome name. Uh, he's a senior. This is just – Pitt is nasty. They've got, you know, Twyman back, uh, who had ten and a half sacks last year. Dev- Dayon Hayes had two sacks in this first game. He's a freshman. This pass rush that they're going to have just on the defensive line, Pitt's just ready. So, I don't really expect Syracuse to hang around this game very long. I think that, you know, Syracuse did lucky to do what they did last week with North Carolina. Pitt is not that kind of team. Pitt's going to come in and, you know, snap in necks and cash in checks. So I'm taking Pitt, laying the 22. I would probably lay 30. That's where I'm at with it. Wow. All right. Laying the points. Kyle? You know, Pitt last week – Bumping Austin P. Not really something that we expected anything different, right? It was what forty-two to nothing at halftime. You know, Syracuse hung in there late in the game last week against North Carolina, but it's hard to say how much of that was North Carolina just struggling. And you know, but Mac Brown's got a ton to coach off of. Um, I don't think North Carolina played their best. Syracuse uh, cover the spread. Taking Syracuse to cover the spread. All right. Well. Uh... I mean, I disagree. I disagree! And, I mean, this is a pit podcast. So, <laughs> Daniel set our principle. Fade Syracuse. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing with – we didn't get to talk about Pitt last week, so I'll talk a little bit about what I like about this team. Daniel, you talked about it. Kenny Pickett um, is the man, a quarterback. Their defensive line is what I want to talk about, though. Jalen Twyman is a junior. He's going to be a first-round draft pick next year. But then three other seniors on the on the defensive line, Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver, and Keyshawn Camp. This defensive line is nasty. And Tommy DeVito, I do not trust as a thrower. And so they're going to have to have a great rush offense. And against this Pitt defense, that's not going to happen. And so Pitt's going to load the box and say, go ahead, Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Throw us your best shot and cover the spread pretty easy, I think. Um, Pitt literally shortened the game last week. They went to 10-minute quarters in the second half. I know it was an FCS team, but they held Austin Peay to one rushing yard. Like, this rush defense is unbelievable. Um, and so because of that, I think they can load the box and, you know, ask Syracuse to try to beat them with Tommy DeVito's arm, and I don't think he can. And so I'll lay the 22 points. So, yeah, you, you know, Kyle taking Syracuse, me and Daniel, no surprise, taking Pitt. <laughs> But it's a pit podcast. We we got to take pit. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next game. We got Baylor hosting Houston. This is actually the first matchup between these two schools in 25 years, which is crazy, and considering how close they are. Baylor, of course, was my team last year. My Baylor Bears, two and a half point favorites against Houston. Daniel, who are you picking? Well, we should clear up 
you know, to our friends in middle Georgia, it is Houston, not Houston. So right. um, <laughs> we want to make sure that we, we shout out them. Uh, Papa Jake, that's for you. Um, in the house or a Houston? Yeah. So it's, it's Houston. Um, but yeah, so this was actually, you know, Houston was playing Memphis and that game got postponed. So it was just like Baylor through the relationship of Dave Aranda and Dana Holgerson, they're actually buddies. So they kind of made this happen in like less than 24 hours. So kudos to them for getting something like this on the books. Um, we definitely, I mean, this is an interesting matchup in and of itself, uh, but yeah, it's a former Southwest conference matchup. So I love anytime you can get these kinds of teams together. So Baylor and Houston, um, fun matchup. Interesting. Cause obviously if it was last year, Baylor, I'd say they're going to blow the doors off Houston. Um, you know, or, you know, Houston of a couple of years ago, really good matchup with the Baylor of last year. But both of these programs in a transition a little bit. Um, obviously, Derek King moves on. He only played four games last year um, under Holgerson. They had Clayton Toon uh, come in at quarterback in seven games, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So kind of a mediocre year. Um, interesting note is that Dana Holgerson's son, Logan, is the backup quarterback. So if there's struggles, you might see, you know, coach, you know, pull his, you know, pull his son in there and have him, have him take over starting job. But I like Baylor. I like Dave Aranda. I'm interested to see what he does with this team, with this, you know, defense. Cause you know, they lost, you basically lost everybody, basically lost everybody, lost your coaching staff. They're gone. Um, the program, like you and I said, we thought took a step forward, but it's not going to show big time this year because, you know, they lost a lot of players. Um, I think he's going to coach them up. It will be their first, you know, first game of the year for, you know, for them. Charlie Brewer, I think returning quarterback's a big deal. You know, he was in and out because of injuries last year, but he had a good year. He's healthy. I'm excited to watch him. Um, I like Baylor. The fact that it's only a two-and-a-half-point line, I don't feel awful about laying those points. Um, if it was a big line, like a seven points or something like that, I'd get a little wary and maybe take the points. But in this case, I do think Baylor wins by at least three. So I'm going to take Baylor laying the two-and-a-half. Kyle? Yeah, like I said, Daniel, new coaching staff with Rule going to the Panthers. Um Nobody's really given this team much of a chance this year, but they do have some returning players, and it's not like they're going through a huge rebuild like Tech was after the Paul Johnson era like we're going through now. Um, so they do, they do have some pieces there to make something happen. Like with the – it only being um, two or three points, I'm, I'm okay with taking Baylor. You know what this means, boys? Oh, all aboard the Baylor train. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to go against my Bears. I the mean, anticipation was killing me. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm not going against my Bears. I mean, I, I have a shirt. I have a Baylor shirt that I've worn proudly over the last year. Yeah, Charlie Brewer's back, which is a big deal, especially in, uh, in this year. It's important to have returning leaders for the team. Yes, a transition year, but – Baylor's not going to have the drop-off that a lot of people expect Baylor to have. Like, like you said, Kyle, like this isn't a like completely change the identity of your team, like a rebuild. Matt Rule has set them up for success and recruited super well. And honestly, he has scouted better than a lot of coaching staffs have. Um, 
in college football. That's why, you know, the, these three stars are getting drafted because he's getting the right players in there. That's why the NFL wanted him because of how good of a scout he is and the type of players that he that he gets. So returning production-wise, and this, this is one thing that, that scares me off a little bit, is Houston ranks third in the country for returning production while Baylor ranks 108th. Um, and in last year, yards per play, Baylor and Houston averaged the same yards per play, so six yards per play. But SG plus-wise, Baylor's ranked 19th, Houston's 38th. Again, with it, with it being this low of a line, I'll take Baylor. I'll take my team from last year. I do think it's a close game. And so, I mean, seven to ten points, but a fun game to watch, fun matchup, first matchup in 25 years. I'll definitely be tuned in to this game. Next in the list, we have a Conference USA versus Sunbelt matchup. Two teams coming off of big wins this past weekend. Marshall hosting App State. Marshall is a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Daniel, what are your thoughts on the Thundering Herd and the Mountaineers? So this is one of those games where, you know, Marshall played Marshall played their game against Eastern Kentucky a couple weeks ago. And so they had a bye. Um, and just the way that game unfolded, I mean, Marshall just hit them in the mouth and just kept doing it. So I really like that identity that Marshall brought. Um, you know, App State kind of is that perennial power in the, in the you know, Sun Belt. Um, they seem to always be in the conversation for that championship at the end of the year. Um, Zach Thomas, their quarterback, seems like he's been there for, you know, eight, nine years now. Um, he's been through three coaching staffs. So this is something to, to kind of keep in mind is that, you know, this is the third staff in three years. Um, I'm, you know, at least third head coach. There has been continuity on the staff throughout, but um, I'm interested to see how this plays out. I think Marshall's a little more hungry just because they've been, you know, kind of counted out for some, you know, for several years now. And App State, you know, I think they win this game, but I'm going to take the Thundering Herd in the four and a half. I think it's going to be closer, and I think Marshall might actually have a lead in the second half. So I'm taking – Marshall plus four and a half. Kyle? Yeah, like you said, last uh, – not last week, but two weeks ago, Marshall had their opener. You know, they were firing on all cylinders against Eastern Kentucky. Um, didn't really miss anything. App, App State really looked shaky last week. Um, didn't really look in control again. So, there was Charlotte, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, I think they win this game. But I'm going to take the uh, take the herd on this one. Taking Marshall. Taking Marshall. I'm going to take App State. All right, I'll, I'll be on an island by myself for App State here. Grant Wells, Marshall's quarterback, yeah, had an awesome first game. True freshman came in, let the scoreboard up, 300 yards, four touchdowns, perfect day. Uh, Marshall's defense held Eastern Kentucky to 166 yards. Impressive. You know, I think this is a – the line seems about right to me. I think this game's a touchdown game. You know, I think Marshall wins a close one or App State wins by a touchdown somewhere in there. I'll take App State. Zach Thomas is an incredible quarterback. And they return nine starters from their top ten offense last year. They ranked ninth in the country in points per game, sixth in the country in yards per game, averaging over 400 yards a game, 40 points a game last year, went 13-1. and one. This offense is just going to roll. 
And so it encouraged me that Marshall scored as many points as they did against their FCS opponent because I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm talking like this going to be like a 45-38 kind of game. So really, really fun. App State might not have looked as good last week. It was a rivalry game last week versus Charlotte. And so closer game, first game of the season. I expect them to be firing on all cylinders in this game. So I'll lay the points at the four and a half. I think App State wins by a touchdown. So I expect a fun game. I expect a close game. But I'll lay the points with the team that I trust, and that's App State. Um, and let's go to one of the two games of the week. And this might not have been a big game this week to watch before Georgia Tech's upset of Florida State last week. And Georgia Tech is hosting UCF in Atlanta for the 404. Jeff Collins, whatever. <laughs> 404 Georgia is the Tech. culture, my friend. That's right. That's right. Uh, Georgia Tech, seven and a half point dogs at home. Daniel, what's your thoughts on this game? What's your pick? First of all, don't you call Georgia Tech dogs. All right. <laughs> um, second of all, um, yeah, UCF is interesting because this is going to be, you know, their, their first game um, of the year. UCF has had scored at least 30 points. Um, in every game that they've played, 30 or more points in all but one game since the beginning of 2017, which obviously is when they won their lauded national championship. Um, and I just think – I think they're going to score. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like Dylan Gabriel as their quarterback. He uh, played in every game last year, started almost all of them um, – you know, he's, he's got a lot of talent. He's a little erratic sometimes with the ball. Uh, he does put it in harm's way. I think he cleans that up this year. But I was really impressed with Jeff Sims last week at Georgia Tech. Um, I think he just looks the part um, of, you know, great quarterback. Um, here's a stat for you. 24 completions, most by a Georgia Tech quarterback since 2003. Okay. Wow. 2003. And uh, bonus question, who was that quarterback? Hmm. It was Reggie Ball. Um, so, I, just didn't want, I didn't want to say his name. Yeah, so. <laughs> Best quarterback Georgia ever had. Yeah, he, he was. That's right. So, but that's, that's something to keep in mind. It's like against Florida State to just have that much, you know, that many completions. Obviously, he had two picks that were in the red zone. Costly, he's a true freshman. I mean, sky's the limit. I expect every game to be something where he grows a little bit here, grows a little bit there. He led the team in rushing last year, last week, like we mentioned uh, previously. Uh, Curtis Ryans on this defensive line, Georgia Tech, had two sacks and two forced fumbles. So keep an eye on him. He's a disruptor. Um, really like the Jackets. Uh, I really like the Jackets this year. If this game was closer, I would probably pick UCF. I think UCF might win this game – outright slightly but I have enough confidence in Georgia Tech I'm taking Georgia Tech in the seven and a half and maybe outright in this game um you know I think they match them you know talent wise and um I think it's you know Georgia Tech their biggest thing has been who's who's, who's taking snaps and that's all but solved at least and you know not sure if Jameer Gibbs is gonna be eligible for the you know able to play if he is then the backfield just stays loaded and I think they're going to control the clock run the ball 
and they're going to be able to throw it when they want to with with Sims. Hopefully, uh, this week he keeps it uh, out of the other team's hands. So taking the Jackets plus seven and a half. Kyle. Yeah, I really didn't know what to expect with Tech, especially after Johnson retired uh, two years ago. We were Tech fans. We were like, well, this is going to be about three or four years of just absolutely sucking. But, you know, Collins, he seems to be the right man for the job. He's got the culture rebuilt, trying to get just a new wave and a new mindset of college football built in Georgia Tech program. Uh I was really impressed last week with just the offensive line going against a really big defensive line from Florida State. And they were getting surge. They weren't getting pushed back. They were pass protecting well. Um, like I said, it was UCF's first game. I know they got a lot of returning starters, but they also got some people opting out too. I think Georgia Tech will win this game outright. I'm not just saying that because I'm a Tech fan. But I really was impressed last week. And I think it carries over. And um, – I think six or seven wins could be on the horizon this year for this team. So Georgia Tech with the points. I like it. I mean, if we had recorded this podcast two weeks ago, would y'all be sitting here picking Georgia Tech? Mm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe then maybe no. Well, so seven I, and I, a half points. I probably wouldn't pick them outright or be even close to that, but seven and a half, eight points. I mean – before the season, I would have probably said that they're semi-evenly matched, but I would have said, hey, Dylan Gabriel's an answer at quarterback for UCF coming in, whereas Georgia Tech has a question mark. But Georgia Tech having one game in means so much for this. Two weeks ago, I would have easily laid the points with UCF. Like, like you said, Kyle, this is – Year two of not just a rebuild, but a massive rebuild, especially on the offense. The defense can hang in there, but you got to score points to win. And yeah, two weeks ago, I would, have, you know, I would have laid the points no problem. Georgia Tech last week was impressive. Jeff Sims, I mean, best quarterback since maybe – this is a first game of a reaction. In my lifetime that I've seen Georgia Tech play football, Best one I've seen in a Georgia Tech uniform since I've been watching football seriously. And, you know, so since, since I've been watching – So since yeah, Joe saw, Hamilton. So, you know, yeah. right before you – when you were born, Joe Ham was their quarterback. And I watched – Reggie Ball was the first court, Georgia Tech quarterback that I remember. So, since then, Jeff Sims is the guy. I mean, he, he is a true quarterback. And then, I mean, defensively, linebacker Quez Jackson, they bullied – Florida State's offensive line with their backup defensive line last week. And, I mean, what an impressive win. And now that I've sung Georgia Tech's praises, I'm, yeah. lay, I'm still laying the points with these guys. <laughs> 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 look, That's I think this is, this, is, this is one of those, you know, early season overreactions this line is. I don't think this game is close. And this, this has everything to do with UCF and not as much to do with Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech was impressive last week. I'm not taking anything away from their win. They scored 16 points. Daniel, you mentioned how many points UCF is scoring. They haven't, they've scored less than 30 once since the start of the 2017 season. So last year, you know, was they a They haven't played year. Jeff Collins-led defense, all right? That's, That's what they haven't done. So, so last <laughs> year, they, in one-score games, UCF was 1-3. 
And in all of those games, they gave up more than 30 points because they're scoring more than 30 points. I don't think Georgia Tech can score 30 points. And especially if you're turning the ball over in the red zone, like they did last week against Florida State, this game could get out of hand in a hurry because of how quickly UCF can score. I think last week's win has just as much to do with where Georgia Tech is in the rebuild, which is way ahead of schedule. The offense looked competent and equally as much to do with how behind schedule Florida State's offense is. That offensive line was horrible. And any, you know, with a competent offense last week, Georgia Tech would not have been in that game. Now, it says a lot about how those players fought and how they, you know, stayed in the game and deserved to win that game. But against a team like UCF, if they have a slow start or have a turnover in the red zone, this game could get out of hand in a hurry. I think this line is an overreaction to Georgia Tech's win. And so I would have taken this line all the way up to 13 and a half. I think it's a two touchdown game. So I'll lay the points of UCF. I'll be on an island again by myself and <laughs> laying the points of UCF. And our last game, we have our first one of the season of a ranked on ranked matchup. And I'll be honest, this game was splitting hairs for me about, you know, and the line says that too. Louisville is hosting Miami. They're two and a half point home favorites. So probably be an even line on a neutral site field. Even though there's not going to be fans there, maybe, the, you know, maybe they gave Louisville a couple points just because. Daniel, what are your thoughts on this game? So I've been high on Miami all off season. Um, I really enjoyed that <clears throat> first game they played. Louisville and Miami both look good in the first game. So, you know, kind of check the box there. Similar opponents that they played, you know, so it is what it is. Uh, I think that Miami, I, I just really like that comparison that Preston gave us last week with, you know, Rhett Lashley and the Auburn offense, you know, back when Nick Marshall was there and just really seeing, you know, what Derek King can do in this offense under, under Rhett Lashley with these running backs. Cameron Harris had a great game. Don Chaney Jr. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball, and I think that <clears throat> I think Louisville will run the ball as well. I think it's going to be a close game. I think we're going to see some lead changes throughout, um, and it might be something where team with the ball last, you know, has that chance to win. I, I like the line. I think that Vegas gets it right with being a two-and-a-half-point spread. But it's not that um, – it's just going to be a close game. I Because of that, because the points are like that, I'm just going to take those two and a half points just because I think it's going to be a close game one way or the other. Um, so I'm going to take the points with Miami. I'm taking Miami plus two and a half. Um, I think Miami can win this game outright, but I also think, you know, they could lose a close one. So either way, I think both teams are in it. Um, I just like Miami and their ability to run the ball. And I expect, uh, you know, Quincy Roche maybe to get in there with a another sack like he did last week. Uh, liked seeing that. So we'll we'll see how this goes. But taking the Hurricanes plus two and a half. Kyle. Yeah, both teams look good in Week One. I think this will be a close, high-scoring game. Bunch of momentum changes over the course of the game. I like Manny Diaz. I think he understands the culture down there. I think he wants to get 
Miami back to the bad boy mentality of the 80s, late 80s, early 2000s, when nobody could just really hang with them. Never thought it was going to get there with Mark Rick. I love Mark Rick. No disrespect to him. But I think Miami just is a different culture down there. I think Miami – I'll take Miami with this two points. I think it'll be a close game, but I think they'll cover it. have we've got three trains this week we got Miami being the last one so I'll be honest though I I like have probably twice as many notes on this game than I did any of the other games because I really couldn't decide so I'll just walk you through it record last year Louisville seven and five Miami six and six whatever same uh returning production Louisville ranks 13th in the country Miami ranks 97th but team talent composite, Miami ranks 16th, while Louisville ranks 48th. So Louisville brought back a lot of people. Miami's more talented. Both year two head coaches. Offenses last year both averaged just over six yards per play. Scoring margin the first game, you've got, uh, you know, 14 for Louisville and then 17 for Miami. They both were minus one in the turnover margin last week. On third down, Louisville was actually 56% while Miami was 41%. So Louisville did a better job on third down. Red zone opportunities. Louisville went three for four in the red zone, and Miami went five for five in the red zone. So, you know, red zone opportunities are important. But here's the big difference to me. Daniel, we we talked about it a lot in the podcast last year, but what what travels when you're going on the road? That's a run game and a defense. Louisville's rushing offense and defense last week – they ran the ball 38 times for 144 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Their defense, uh, there was 35 rushes. They gave up 119 yards and two touchdowns for 3.4 yards per carry against Western Kentucky. But Miami ran the ball 52 times for 337 yards, three touchdowns, averaging six and a half yards per carry. And their defense – uh, UAB rushed the ball 26 times for only 80 yards and a touchdown right at three yards per carry. So I will take the better rushing team off offensively and defensively, and I'll take Miami. I do think this game's close. I think this game's fun, but I do think the wrong team's favored. Uh, I'll take Miami. It is splitting hairs, but, again, that, that rushing offense in week one was really impressive. And if Derek King gets better in, like, with, with his targets at Miami and they get some more rapport, they could be dangerous later on the season. So I love this matchup that we get it early on. These are two very similar teams on two very similar trajectories, but I will lay the points with Miami. Let's look at the cards. So Daniel, you're taking Oklahoma state laying the points underdog in Georgia state. It's a pit podcast taking pit uh, laying the points with Baylor taking Marshall with the points against App State, Georgia Tech with the points against UCF, and then taking Miami went outright, but you get two and a half points. So there you go. Uh, Kyle also taking Oklahoma State. We've got all aboard Oklahoma State there. Taking Louisiana against Georgia State to lay the points. Taking Syracuse to cover against Pitt. And then Baylor, all aboard the Baylor train. We got Marshall taking the points against App State. Georgia Tech to win outright against UCF, but you get seven and a half, and then all aboard the Miami train. And I'll take Oklahoma State 
Louisiana, Pitt, Baylor, App State, UCF by more than seven and a half, and then last but not least, Miami. Any final thoughts? I mean, <clears throat> this week is the last week that we won't have SEC football. So that in and of itself needs to be celebrated, you know. And uh, next week is going to be one of those things where it just feels like a full slate of games. You know, we'll see eventually if the Big Ten ever does anything. But is what it is. Where we are right now is just fine. I'm excited, you know. It's going to be harder to pick seven games next week. I've already looked. (laughs) (laughs) It's really difficult to pick. Like, I have, like, four that I'm like, okay, we're, we're hitting these four. And then there's like five or six more that could fill those last three spots. So that's a good place to be though. That's a good place to be. You know, it's, it's one of these things where we did without sports for so long. Now it's like, we got baseball, we've got NFLs back, you know, college football, NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs are happening. And I'm literally, I've watched like two games. So it's like an embarrassment of riches right now. So really have to take some time and actually sit and watch some of these. I feel like the biggest thing I missed was college football, and I've watched almost every game, even the littlest of the games. I just craved it. I'm, you know, squeezing every last bit of juice out. But, um, yeah, definitely excited, excited for just the weeks to come. This will be a fun weekend in itself. Kyle, any final thoughts? I'm just glad college football is back. Um, I thought it was funny. Amen. Steve Spurrier said a couple weeks ago when he was talking about just the Big Ten setting out, and he was like, well, it's either going to be the ACC or SEC won a championship anyway. So, yeah, not going to make a difference. And he's right. He's right. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> There's probably going to be two or three SEC teams in there for this, for this final thing, whether the Big Ten plays or not. So Maybe four. Maybe four. There might be. <laughs> no way, Jose. But – well that will do it for this edition of the extra point be sure to follow us on instagram at the extra point pod you can also find us on facebook at the extra point pod there's links there to our podcast to our twitter accounts lots of cool content on there be sure to follow us and for this edition of the extra point i'm jacob he's kyle he's daniel see ya